Welcome to the Gutsy Ladies podcast. I'm your host, Bella Reynolds, and I'm a life coach on a mission to support midlife women to live their next chapters with ease, with clarity, and with confidence, to become a gutsy lady. A gutsy lady doesn't fade or shy away, and she doesn't use midlife as an excuse to live a life less fulfilled. She thinks, if not now, when? Until now, the story of midlife hasn't supported this vision for our lives, and it's time to talk about it. In this podcast, I share insights from my personal experience, as well as thoughts and lessons from thousands of hours of coaching. If you want to live your best life and are ready to do the work, then you are in the right place. Let's get started. So welcome to another episode in my fear series. So the first episode that I did was around the fear of what other people think. So if that's something that you're curious about, it wouldn't hurt to actually listen to that episode first or even as well as this because they are linked. And this episode in the fear series is the fear that I am not enough. And interestingly, this fear is more a subconscious fear. I I don't have clients come to me straight up and go, oh, I fear that I'm not enough and I'd love your help. That's not how it rolls. <laughs> in in uh, I can't think of a case where it happened that way, but how it generally rolls is that um, I will have a client who will come and say, I have had a gut full of people pleasing. I do not know where it comes from or why I do it, but I've got to this stage in my life and stuff it. I'm sick of it. That is a perfect example of someone who has got in a habit of pleasing other people to get their needs met more often than not from a core belief that they are not enough unless they please them. So I'm going to go back and explain a little bit more about that. But if you are someone who, when you consider it right now, you go, oh, she's talking about me. I definitely seem to be someone who's got in a habit, and I've noticed it a hell of a lot in my middle age, that I am pleasing people more than I please myself. In fact, I don't even know how to please myself. Then please listen up because you're listening um, from an episode um, from someone who I would describe myself not just as a deeply flawed human, that's something you my clients hear me say a lot, but also a reformed people pleaser. I had got into the most incredibly strong, unconscious, full-blown habit of pleasing other people to get my needs met, and I didn't really know how bad it was until I did. And that's a story you'll hear about in a minute. But this core belief, um, I am not enough. Interestingly, I have observed and read a lot of books of people's stories. And this is, I think this fundamental core belief that I'm not enough has actually fueled so much success. You'll see if I was recording the visual, my fingers up in a quotation marks so much external success, you know, um, the incredible level of uh, career success or um, uh, property accumulation or money accumulation or business success and dizzy heights of material success. 
and it has fueled it and you know that it has fueled it is if you read a story or talk to a human who's got to that level of success and they will say it still feels empty. And the reason it feels empty is that unconsciously they were fueled to attain and achieve and um, basically attain and achieve all that they've achieved because it is what has been driving them is the statement that I am enough when I've achieved this stuff. And that's that's what's so beautiful and rich about midlife, right? Is that when we get to midlife and we have these real reckonings, real understandings that, oh my God, I've been operating this way. Now I recognize it. I've now got choices to move forward. That's what I think is such a richness to midlife. Is it sometimes does it feel like richness? No. <laughs> it can really feel crap. It can feel like a slap in the face. It can be, what are you talking about? I've been operating like that for this long and now I've got to go and undo it all. Well, yes, you do. But if you do it with the right um, support and the right intention, it's not like you undo your whole life. It's like you clean up some crap. And that's one of my four laws to living a gutsier life is that one of those laws is to clean that crap up so that as you move forward, you're doing it with a a cleaner intention and it will feel honestly like gliding and far more effortless. So decades of people pleasing can get you to that space where you have achieved, you know, you might be the top of that corporate ladder or you may have, you know, achieved uh, materially or you know, can even be in a family environment. You've, you know, pleased everyone else around you and you've got, you know, these children and these children are doing well on this and that partner's doing well at this and, but it still feels hollow. And that's because once again, you've been driven to be fueled through a lens of, or a framework of, I'm not enough. Basically, I'm only enough when, unless. So it's conditional. So what's the opposite to a core belief of I am not enough. The opposite is I am enough. I am enough exactly as I am. I don't have to perform to be a certain person to get my needs met. I don't have to reach a certain level to get my needs met. I don't have to be a certain person. I am simply enough as I am. Can you imagine living from a place where you are just enough? Like you're enough. It's not conditional. It's not based on pleasing that person or aspiring for that or getting that. You're just enough. I think my 30-something-year-old self would tell me today, as if that's possible, gratefully my 55-year-old self having really gone in, as I said, I am a full reformed people pleaser and let me explain what I'm talking about there because it may not have actually done that cleverly up front. How does a people pleaser come from someone who's not enough? A people pleaser comes from someone who's not enough because if you're coming from a place I'm not enough, you can get into the habit of pleasing other people to then feel enough for them, therefore for yourself. And I'm, I'm going to share that in a minute because there's three things to this episode. I'm going to talk about where does this 
um, whole core belief of I'm not enough come from? Where can it come from? And, you know, therefore people-pleasing. Um, how do I... F- how do I know if I've got this core belief of I'm not enough and therefore bringing it in as a people pleaser? And the third thing is how can I get rid of it? And I do have some really good news and some not so good news, but I promise you it's worth listening right to the end just to learn it all. I promise. (laughs) So where does it come from? Where does this unconscious belief of I'm not enough, where can it come from? As people who know me and my clients know, I I, I, on, I I continually say we don't come in to this world, we don't come out of the womb with a whole set of default core beliefs. We, we don't come in. We come in as this, or well, I see it as a blank canvas, but more importantly, I see us as a blank book. We come into the world and there's just all these blank pages on the book that we will have, our book of life, but they're blank. And from pretty much the minute we come out of the womb, we start to test and measure concepts around how we get our needs met, how we get our need for food, how we get our need for shelter, how we get our need for love, most importantly around how we get our need for love met. So it's rare, but I have had clients I've worked with that in their younger years, it was a very unconditional So, yeah, firmly unconditional loving environment. More often than not, the humans I work with, and this could be you listening today, have come through early childhood and all the way through where to get your needs met, to feel loved, to feel secure, you had to perform a certain way. And that can be news to you as you listen to this, but I'm sure when you think back on some of the things you may have done um, and it may be, you know, you may not think about it immediately back into your how you were uh, brought up in your family world, but let's think about when you first started at school. School is the first, generally that first formalised environment where it gets laid out pretty easily that there's some rules to do well here. You are compliant, you play by the rules, and then you'll get your needs met. You will feel safe. And by feeling safe, then you'll feel there's a, a connection and, you know, essentially you'll feel loved in that environment or you feel safe. So um, if you go outside of those rules, if you mess up in class or you don't get the right answers in in your test or you go out to the playground and you don't have the same lunchbox as others or or your uniform, for example, maybe in a shabbier condition as others, then you can get conditionally um, an understanding that I'm not performing at level, therefore I'm not accepted, therefore I'm not loved. So depending on your whole background um, from your whole family environment, um, it's, it's not uncommon, uncommon in the family environment that based on what um, age, you know, like what a birth order you sat in, there were different expectations, you know, the the, the middle childers and the non-firstborns out there are going, no, that's not true. But all the firstborns as I am out there listening to this will know what I'm talking about, that, you know, as the first child in the family, there 
we were the L plates for the parents, right? <laughs> so there was a lot of testing and measuring on how to um, control if you were a very spirited child, as my mother continues to tell me that I was. I was someone that liked to explore and do lots of different things. If that got harder and harder for a parent to marry, um, to manage, what would you do? You would really try and rein that human in. So then as a human developing and learning the rules of the environment, you learn very quickly that if you want to be accepted for who you are, then you need to change who you are so that those rules marry up. Or you don't. And there, there are some adults I've come across that bucked it and bucked it and bucked it. So they learned that it was okay for them to not be accepted. But that is so, so uncommon. It's It, it really is. Most humans have this real desire to be connected and to be accepted. So you'll do anything to feel safe in that environment. And so to feel enough and to get those needs met is that you will perform. And often it will be against what you may want. You will please others so that you can feel accepted and connected to them and you gradually over time learn the skill of pleasing yourself. And so what what I, you know, what I come across, and this was my experience, is that when we get into that midlife phase and we actually start to really wake up and start to see some of our behaviours, and mine came after my burnout. Um, For those who haven't listened to other episodes in 2017, at the age of 50, I had a fairly spectacular workplace burnout. And essentially it was around me feeling the need in a habitual sense, I wasn't conscious of it at the time, that to I I was at that point the sort of person who over-delivered at work. Like seriously over-delivered. If they say we want to do A, B, and C, I was prepared to give them A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Y, and Z, immaterial to my own um, desires or my own health, actually. But you can listen to that episode about the burnout there. But this is what happens with people pleasers. Unconsciously, we're pleasing everybody else at the detriment of ourselves. And essentially, we only feel enough when others tell us that we're enough for them. And so we get to a point where we will burn out. That's what happens for people pleasers. Self-pleasers, which is not something that we have been traditionally reared as a child to be, as that's okay, darling, you go and please yourself first and then we'll be sitting up at the table here when you're finished blaming the blocks and dinner has gone cold. That's not how it works, right? We are always, as we're growing up, learning to adjust to living with other people and other people's needs. But if you became someone who learnt to please others before yourself and then over time did it more and more and more and did less and less and less for yourself, you get to midlife if you're lucky and you have a wake-up. So essentially that's how this can happen. The um, poor belief around I'm not enough, which leads to people-pleasing, is I am not enough unless other people tell me I am. So what has to shift is becoming someone that just recognises that you are enough just as you are and then your behaviour will change because, you know, those who know me know that it's, you know, the framework I work with is it's our beliefs 
lead to our actions and our actions lead to our results. So if you're someone right now that recognises that your actions are very related to pleasing other people first, then the results can be burnout from that. So we don't just change our actions. We've got to go back and look at these beliefs. What is it that's fueling that? So the second piece to this is how do you know if you're a people pleaser? Some of you out there go, it's pretty bloody obvious. And I would say no, because I've had numerous conversations and in recent times it's been, it has been so good because this this conversations around um, beliefs and learning about ourselves and personal development, all that stuff, I think, and through podcast world, there's so much more information out there. So people's levels of awareness have risen, I think, immeasurably. But how do we know if we are a people pleaser? The first thing and the biggest thing is when it feels so awkward and weird that someone would say to you, but what do you really want? What do you really want to go and do? And you honestly can't answer it? Then that is someone who is really struggling to know what they want and who they really are. A person I was talking to the other day, it was a beautiful midlife person. He said, I really recognize that I'm people pleasing. But the funniest thing was he said he was at a coffee shop really recently and someone had said to them, you know, they wanted a keep cup, but they had forgotten theirs at home. They they left it at home. And automatically he just handed his keep cup to that person. This is somebody he'd only just met. And he just, he noticed himself giving that person this thing. And it was like, no, 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 that's fine, that's fine. The other person going, no, 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 it's fine. They go, no, 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 please take it, please take it. But in that moment, he recognised that he was so keen to give to that person, not necessarily taking from himself at the point, but still he was just so habitually used to giving and giving and giving and giving that he was willing to give away a keep cup (laughs) and he said I've actually given numerous away and so that was just for that person a real light bulb moment for some of you listening to this um, I do want to say if you have been a mum I do think that a people pleasing habit can also stem from parenting where we have got used to from the minute that other child or the children that we're bearing have come out of the womb that we actually can, you know, defer our needs because in those early, you know, months and years, we get used to deferring our needs so that we can get other needs met such as sleep (laughs) and a bit of sanity and all of that sort of stuff. But just because you have had children, does that mean you've got more likelihood to be a people pleaser? No way. I've worked with numerous people that have got had a strong habit of people pleasing from different backgrounds. You know, they've had children, they haven't had children. Um, they've they've even got latterly into the phase of people pleasing um, because of a blindsiding. You know, something came out of left field. It may have been something happened at work that just took them by surprise 
took away their confidence at the same time. And out of that, they started to believe about themselves that they're simply not enough as they are. So the only way they can start to feel enough is to please others first. So how do you know you've got it? I'm pretty sure from the descriptions I've given already, you will recognize yourself in there. But also know that this is deeply linked to part of your nervous system. So that's where so much of this comes from. And I don't think we talk about this enough. But the other piece about how do I know that I've got a really strong, I'm not enough unless I'm pleasing others, it's that if you start to want to please yourself first, the alarm bells go off and it's like, that's selfish. That's selfish. No, you couldn't possibly, no. So if you've got that little conversation going on in your mind, that's another really strong um, hint that this is part of what's going on for you at the moment. And as I said before, I've got some really good news. And the really good news is that we are all able to change. As I said before, you did not come out of the womb feeling not enough. You came out with a blank canvas, with a book that's got blank pages, and it just so happens up to now, there's a lot of stories in the book to now that have got examples of only being enough when you pleased others first or you had certain material objects or or a whole litany of others or where you performed at a certain level. But there are numerous pages in your book left that are blank ahead and that's what's possible for all of us. We can change. We have got the new, like the biology to change and I'm going to talk in a minute about how to, to support our biology to help us to change you know, a fundamental core belief of I am not enough. Because acting out from a belief of I'm not enough, acting out those actions of people pleasing, et cetera, or high level performance, um, you know, burning yourself right to the end until you collapse, all those actions from a core belief of I'm not enough, they're just habits and we can change habits. But how do we do that? We do it with support, we do it with awareness and we do it little by little by little so that it becomes more familiar, more familiar, more familiar. So that leads me to the third point around this. How do I get rid of it? And that's, that's you know, we're coming to the bad news here. And what I mean by the bad news, it's something you really won't want to hear up front, but it's sort of got good news in it too. I don't aspire to ever really getting rid of it up front. What do I mean by that? If you have a core belief of I am not enough, it will take some time to fully change that belief system and therefore the actions and therefore the results. It's not like we can go in for surgery and we can exorcise this from that point on immediately. And particularly in our midlife, because we've got neural pathways that support the habits and behaviors around I'm not enough. I do a a technique called Aruka um, method, which is a hypnosis method, and it's been incredibly powerful and useful for my clients. And in that method, I can go in and help people under the um, hypnosis, under those brainwaves, to actually go in and find where it was in the history, in their background, in their memories of incidents 
where they had an emotion trapped around feeling not enough, I can help reprogram that belief in that point. And then I can help clients from that new place to start working toward fully moving into a place of I am enough. But it does not happen overnight. It is not exorcised immediately. The the change occurs in that hypnosis. Absolutely, we reprogram that belief there and then, but it takes a lag time for the rest of our biology to change into I am enough, I am enough. Therefore, I can please myself first and then please others and get more familiar with it. So it's not about getting rid of it immediately and therefore your life changes overnight. No way. My clients, though, with the belief reprogramming, they can feel different immediately, but it takes some time from that new belief system for their actions to change regularly, consistently, habitually, and therefore their results. But change is there and change can happen. And I'm a a full-blown example of it. Um, you know, as I said before, when I had my burnout with the work that I had and when I recognised as I was healing from this burnout that, you know, I was writing in my journal and I was really recognising that I had a major badge of honour that um, I am the sort of person that delivered 120%. Like I didn't just deliver 100% and be happy with that. I had to deliver it 120% to be enough. What a crock. No employer, no client ever expected that of me. And once I came back into the space post-burnout, one of my clients, um, I'll forever be grateful for him, um, he said to me, I don't expect it of you, so why why are you doing it? Particularly when he recognised that it was part of wired burnout. So it's just crazy how we can get ourselves onto these stages and perform at this level that takes so much from us and from our families and from those around us to please others, <laughs> to feel enough. So it, it is so beautiful when you can get to a place that you feel enough just as you are. You don't need to be enough only when you've got certain things or have achieved certain things or um, have pleased certain people. When, when you are simply just coming from a place, I am enough just as I am. It's incredibly powerful. As I said before, it comes from consistent, supported change. So how do I get rid of it? Number one, you recognize you will not get rid of it overnight, but your intention is to change that belief and start to live from that new belief. I am enough, I am enough. And when you start to live from a belief of I am enough, then you start to bring an awareness into all your activities. So with clients, one of the big things we do is a pause, reflect, respond. It's a very known mindfulness equation for living. And so when a client can you know, see that they have in the past been operating from a place of I'm not enough and pleasing others, they learn to catch themselves in that habit loop loop earlier and earlier. And at that point, they pause. And the reason they pause is they give their um, they give their executive function or their prefrontal cortex 
They give it time to kick in and they get out of habit mode. And when you're in pause mode and you've stopped, you're actually bringing that executive function. You start to make a choice. Right. Wow. The old me would just automatically step in and take that role. Or the old me would automatically go, yeah, yeah, I'll do that for you. I'll do it for you and walk away and go, why have I said that? I've got no time to do that. So in that pause moment, you then, with executive function, you choose what you do next and then that's what reflection is all about and the third piece is to respond. Instead of reacting, you respond. Hmm, that's a really nice offer. I'd really love to do that in this role. I just simply don't have the time. How about I take on two-thirds of what that is or how about you give three-quarters of that to Sally and I'll take on one-quarter of it or you start to put yourself in a more powerful, stronger position to respond to requests. And more importantly, when you sometimes pause and you see yourself not, you know, you see yourselves able to operate from this powerful place, often you just pause. (laughs) You reflect and the response is no action. You allow others to step in and do certain things or others to say, make the next move. And it's so powerful when you get to a point in your own growth and shifting from a someone who's not felt enough and been over-delivering and over-pleasing to come to the other end of the spectrum and be someone that's like, that just doesn't fit right with me and it doesn't sit right with me and I don't, I really don't want to do that. When you get to that place and you walk away from um, an interaction and you have not pleased others, you've pleased yourself first, it is a major win. It is a major happy dance. And what you're doing then is strengthening those new neural pathways. And that's what I say about this delay. This is what happens. We just got to practice it and practice it and practice it and practice it with condition, with consistency and intention. And over time, it becomes a new habit. So when I work with clients and we're talking before about the four levels of living, you know, it's four levels, four laws, sorry, to leveling up, or it's also very much about the four laws to living a gutsier life. One of those laws is cleaning up your crap, as I said before. But another law for me is to build your own custom toolkit. And building your own custom toolkit is so important because it supports our nervous system. We have an automatic tendency to keep ourselves safe, which means we go into very habitually and also very automatically into our sympathetic nervous system, which is in our flight and fight response, our stress response. So we have to, to as part of our custom toolkit is to bring in techniques and tools and practices that support the other side of our nervous system, the parasympathetic nervous system, which is our rest and um, digest, which is our reflection as well, our bringing ourselves into a state of resourcefulness where we're responding and not reacting. So two parts to this toolkit, and I talk about this in my guide. You can download it. Um, There'll be a link Um, on the notes on this podcast. This is how I help get myself out of my burnout and heal from it. Two practices that are fundamental 
to um, building a custom toolkit for me and for clients now has been number one is meditation. So the practice of meditation, particularly Vedic meditation, bringing that practice in every single day is such a support for your nervous system, that calming down your nervous system. It's not so much about clearing your mind, but it's a supporting your mind and, and doing some beautiful things with your mind. But most importantly, it's about bringing in and uh, down-regulating your nervous system so it comes into parasympathetic. A second practice is journaling or what I saw written the other day, it's called a thought diary. I think that's probably even more accurate than a journal. It's having a practice of writing down the thoughts and your beliefs and the things that are coming into your day-to-day space and starting to recognize your patterns because it's only from that practice of self-reflection and recognizing your patterns that you can even see that you operate from such an unhealthy state as a people pleaser or that you have got underneath a belief system of I'm only enough when I have this or do this or am this. You can start to recognize those patterns by using the practice of journaling or if the language of thought diaries seems better for you, you get to see those patterns. So helping you to get rid of or move away from a belief of I'm not enough to a belief of I am enough, part of your custom toolkit are practices that support your nervous system. And particularly if you're coming, as I was, from a very heavy place of people pleasing, I had to support my nervous system as I brought in new practices of being enough. Because to become someone who feels they are enough, it is someone that pleases themselves first and then pleases others second. Now, that is not selfish. That is self-care. It's exactly the same framework of putting the oxygen mark on your first as, you know, you have problems up in a plane. You cannot be any use to anyone else on that plane if you don't have the oxygen mask on yourself. You can't help the child in your lap unless you've got that oxygen mask on. If you don't have practices of self-care and look after what your needs are first, you can't be in any healthy state to help others because you literally will not have the practices to fully sustain yourself. You'll be giving out, giving out, giving out with the lack of giving back to yourself and it just, it doesn't add up. So what are we looking for here? I'm talking a lot about becoming someone from I am not enough to being I am enough and if I think about a spectrum and if you're someone that operates from a place of I am not enough unless... I please others, for example, that's on one end of the spectrum. And the other end of the spectrum is I am enough and I please myself first. What tends to happen is when you get more practiced at living from that place of I am enough and what do I want and how does this work around me and what I'm I prepared to do, it's not like you don't please others anymore. You please others from the right space. You please others when it works for you, not just you please others, full stop. And so what I find is that spectrum, instead of going from one end of the spectrum to the other, over time, you are someone that can move along the spectrum 
and more importantly, you can move from the end part of the spectrum of I am enough and come up a little bit and go back down. But unless you work and do this work and you're someone that is constantly habitually operating from a place of I am not enough, which is coming out in um, behaviours of people pleasing, you can't operate on the spectrum. You are automatically habitually in one mode only. That is such a dangerous place to be and particularly as we start to age and our nervous systems just don't have the level of resilience unless we've got practices that support them. So I hope this has been um, some information to anyone who has habitually got themselves into a people-pleasing environment. Where? What are the first steps? Number one, if this has resonated with you or anyone else in your life, please get into the notes and download um, my uh, guide on how to how to really deal with burnout and and bring in these uh, nourishing practices to start to support yourself because that that was fundamental to my support and I am not the person I was back then. I have absolutely shifted and those in my family know it. Now I do tend to I can come up and back along that spectrum. Sometimes I still find myself making a few mistakes. <laughs> But because of the level of awareness I've got now, I can get myself back on track and use those practices. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Gutsy Ladies podcast. Are you ready to recharge your life? Are you slipping towards burnout? Or maybe you're already there. (laughs) Make sure you grab my free guide called Heal from Burnout and Recharge Your Life for some really actionable tips that I learned the hard way. Click on the link in the show notes of your podcast app. If you haven't already, I'd love you to subscribe and send this episode to a friend who just may need a little reminder that she's a gutsy lady too. See you next week.